Uh, we'll do this one. So, uh, the ragweed is in full bloom now. Um, and because I just got scared by the microphone, my nostrils are clear. So <laughs> that's probably a good thing. Um, yeah, so uh, if, I'm, if you're worried about shaking my hand afterwards, you don't have to shake my hand after church, but I'm actually not sick. It's just uh, <laughs> allergies are so bad that congested. I am very congested because of that, because um, of the weeds and everything. Um, I wanted to mention a few things before we get started. Um, that uh, Darren, thank you for the communion meditation. You know, uh, talking about seeds, uh, the Lord wants us to be fruitful and to produce, uh, you know, much fruit. And the, you know, talking about the the state of our country, and and you know, maybe it's not so good. Maybe it's better than a lot of other countries. Um, I'm not not sure about that. But any time, in any point in history, you never know when the next catastrophe is about to happen. Um, and years ago, not that many, it was in 2001, uh, no one knew that um, planes were going to crash into the trade towers and a horrible thing would happen. No one, no one, none of us knew that was going to happen before it happened. And, and if we did, you know, if those who were living near there, working in that building, knew that that was going to happen, they probably would have prepared for it. They would have made changes. So when we see things happening in our society, in our country, that could cause negative effects down the road, then we as Christians at least should know to take advantage of a little bit of foresight and knowledge and uh, make some preparations that could make the difference in our lives in the future and not only our lives, but others uh, that may be needing help or needing um, support in, in our past as Christians. In our past, um, that you know, a thousand years ago, when um, folks would get leprosy and they would be cast out by their communities, and the Christians would take them in and take care of them, and gain uh, more people for the kingdom of God, and the Christians were held up by those people um, because of that. When when the babies weren't wanted and they were um, put aside, that the Christians would take care of the babies in in our past. And because of that, um, the kingdom of God grew. And so now, who knows what is on the horizon, but at least we can be preparing for what might happen. Um, shoot, uh, food shortages, um, you know, be prepared for whatever takes place so that when uh, catastrophe does happen, we're not in the same boat as everyone else. We're in the position to share Jesus with others in whatever um, situation may happen. Um, the the last um, thing that does not relate to my sermon that I have is that we have s- something else worshiping with us. It's a bear, and I don't know who brought him. Um, he came right after our Wyoming trip, and he's holding a cross. So we've converted a bear, and he worships with us now. So that's completely irrelevant to anything. Um, let's get started the sermon with a word of prayer. Uh, Father God, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for the discernment and wisdom that you provide for us. Thank you for being in our lives so that we could bear fruit according to your will. It is in Jesus' name, your Son, Lord, that we pray. Amen. Hey, have you ever watched the show Extreme Home Makeover? Extreme, yeah, it's on like um, HDTV. 
I can't say that I've ever actually sit through and watched a whole episode of it. It's usually on when we go stay at a motel because there's there's TV there, and Jessica likes to watch it. But uh, basically, here's what the show is about. They find a house that is not up to their standards. Um, they would say the house is, is older, and it's out of date, and it, it, no one would want to live in it. And, and then they, they, they get that house and they completely strip it. They tear out the whole inside. They destroy everything the original builder created and they remake it the way they think looks good. Now, maybe you like that show and, and, and maybe it's a good thing, but, but just me personally, when I see them buy a house and they show pictures of it like, oh, look at this horrible, ugly house. I'm like, that's, that's a good-looking house. And then and, and they tear it all out. And, and, and they sometimes I've seen they, they take the beautiful wood trim and they paint over it. Or they put plastic up there instead because it needs to be modern. And, you know, again, maybe that's just kind of my style. Um, but they remake it the way they think looks good. They're replacing the good stuff for the modern stuff. And on top of all that, it's costing lots and lots of money for them to redo that house. And just watching it makes me cringe. Um, But you know, as bad as that is for me, uh, there's something worse I just learned this past week, and maybe you can call me naive, but there was a, a show that took place before Extreme Home Makeover. It, that show stemmed from another one called just Extreme Makeover. Are you guys familiar with this show? Um, and I, I've never watched it, but evidently they, they would find a person, usually a woman, um, who doesn't meet their standards, the, the people who are running the show, and uh, th- their human standards, by the way, and they would uh, tear out and destroy what the original builder created. We're talking about people now. They would use uh, things like um, plastic to rebuild the person the way they think looks good. Now, when I was a kid... There was, there was two, a couple different types of toys. There, there was the cheap plastic toys that would break and they wouldn't last long. And then there was a good solid metal toy or, or a wooden toy that would, that would survive a jump, a fall off of the counter. You know, the real toys, the plastic or the metal. But it would seem that it on this show it was common to replace person's beauty the way God made it with something like plastic surgery to make it look different, to make the person look different than the way God made them. And the just watching a few little um, clips off of this show is, is horrible. And, and to see the before and after pictures, you know, they would doctor them up. Here's what the person looks like before. And I think this is a pretty good, pretty good looking person. And then after this show's done, you look at them and they, they look fake, fake. Fast forward 10 years 
and worse than fake. It doesn't last. Let me just say, I am glad that God is the one who makes people in the first place. What God makes is beautiful. But when people try to modify themselves with plastic surgery and other things like that that are superficial, now I'm talking superficially, when you have, you know, a body uh, adjusted or or, or um, uh, built up to make yourself look better. Sometimes we need, you know, um, surgeries that are for, you know, like to clear your sinuses so that your allergies don't. Sometimes that that's needed. But just for cosmetic purposes, when people try to modify themselves this way, The result is less than what God intended. This show, Extreme Makeover, became popular after 9-11-2001. It would seem that after something that happened in our country that uh, took a toll on the people, that they wanted to strive to be better. Unfortunately, people often chose the wrong way to be better. They sought to be better uh, looking physically or to improve their finances so that they could have selfish gain. And so TV shows like this became popular. You know, this desire... The desire to um, look good has been with us for a long time. It is inside of our souls. Our souls have a desire to be more, to be more than what we are. The desire is inherent. We've inherited it from Adam and Eve. They desire to um, be uh, different than what they are, although what they were made to be was good enough. Stems from a God-sized void in our souls after Adam and Eve decided to take things into their own hands, brought sin and imperfection into their lives and our lives as well, just like we would have made that choice if we were in their footsteps, then we have this desire inside of us to be more. And that desire isn't a bad thing, but it can be channeled incorrectly. It can be used in an evil way. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them in his own image. Now, if you ask me about about my image, and, and I would say... I. 
I look nothing like God. Now, that's both inside and out. By the way, I believe that being created in the image of God has more to do with the spirit and soul than it has to do with a physical. Although I think, you know, maybe there is some physical there. God said he made us in his own image. Uh, I think our best bet is to, to focus on the spirit and the soul. I don't feel like I look anything like God on the inside. I don't feel that way. Just this past week, I've been working for several weeks to clear a hedgerow, to cut the limbs out of it. It had blown over in um, 1987. And the only reason I know that is because that's when the inland hurricane came. And uh, evidently all these old hedge trees have blown over. And it's been there for for many, many years. And I have to go through and and rebuild the fence there because my cows get out all the time and I'm tired of patching it. And so I'm chainsawing all these limbs out. And um, if you've ever worked with hedge... It's a pain in the, not only the rear end, but the everything. And so sawing a limb off and inevitably every uh, five or ten minutes, a piece of hedge will spring from its loaded position and whip me in the face. Oh, and at that point in my mind, I'm thinking words in my head that I haven't heard since I worked at B&W trailer hitches. And that was five years ago and that doesn't look like God I don't think that God would be thinking those kinds of words do I look like God on the inside his image sure doesn't feel like it but this desire to change this desire to change is natural the desire to make it better is good when you want to better yourself what image do you use what image do you want to be part of or that you're going after you know you've seen the tv shows where they will paint a a picture of of, of uh, scenery, of nature, and usually a painter will have a photo of the nature and then they will paint it. Not, not all the times, but they will have a photo that they've taken and it's really great and they will want to reproduce that um, by painting it larger and, and, and that's how they, they have something to go off of. Um, and although I've never painted a picture, I don't think based upon on that uh, another picture. Um, one time, and you guys are gonna roll my your eyes because I'm always talking about um, rifles. But one time I bought this old rifle, and it didn't have a lever, like it's lever action. Didn't have a lever on it. And if you've ever seen how the lever on a lever action works on the inside, it's very complicated. It's got little levers and little shapes and little rollers that make the whole action of the rifle work. Well, I bought this rifle really cheap, and it didn't have a lever. And I sought out to make that lever without ever seeing the original lever. I never had an image of it in my mind. 
And it took a lot of filing and grinding and, and failure and f- more filing and grinding and failure. And, and so I'd grinded too much away. And I couldn't get it until finally I found somebody else with a rifle that was the same and took theirs apart, looked at the image of that lever and reproduced it, made it exactly like the original. And then the rifle worked and I could use it. Here's our key point for today. Make sure your target is God's image. Make sure that the image that you are going after, when you are ready to make a change, that that is God's image that you're going after, that you're copying. You don't want to miss the mark, to miss the target was an archer's term, was called sin. Say, oh, by the way, um, I did do the longest shot in the archery contest, and I can tell you how to do that. Um, You shoot about two and a half feet um, left of the target, hit the gravel, and skip it up, and it'll go for miles, I think. I never found my arrow. Um, So I I did get last place um, in the uh, in the archery shoot because I sinned, I missed the target. Um, but this is this is serious that we make sure our target is God's image. But because we have human nature, we tend to miss that, and we forget that. If you want to look good on the outside by the world standards, the results will be less than desirable. And if you want to look good on the inside by the world's standards, the result will be no good and destructive, and it won't last. The houses that get remade, they go out of date. 20 or so years later, Somebody else is buying the house and saying, boy, this is out of date. Let's uh, tear it all out and, and uh, put all new in. And maybe, maybe by then they'll be um, videoing it still and putting it on TV. The people who get uh, worldly remade, uh, drastic measures done to make themselves look more beautiful, it doesn't last. Oh, and by the way, spiritually speaking, we, we can do things that won't last on this world. But spiritually speaking, um, we are going to last forever one way or the other. Uh, C.S. Lewis has a quote, and I, I like this quote. He says, there are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Sometimes we call ourselves uh, mortals because we only live here on earth for a while. But, but C.S. Lewis says, you've never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal. And their life is to ours the life of a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. Immortal horrors or immortal or everlasting splendors. Interesting way of using words uh, like C.S. Lewis always has, but it brings to mind a great point. We are all going to last forever 
either in heaven or in hell. Life here on earth may not be so long, but everyone has a destination after earth. And every person that you talk to, that's the case. They will still, their soul will still be going after they leave this earth. And what does that mean to you? How does that make you feel? Do you need to, do you have some things to tell them? Or do you want to just let them go their own route? Listen, we have been fearfully made, magnificently made, that is, in the image of God. And if you're ready for a makeover, let the image that God has made you in, that you were originally made in, let that be your model for working on yourself. You say, man, that's a tall order. If God is my model, who I need to be like, how, how can I be like God? I mean, he's perfect and he's all powerful. And he's all knowing. <coughs> there's, there's no way I can fit that image. It, it's hard to think about, I know. The second chapter of, of Philippians tells us uh, to be like Jesus, it, it says to love one another, to agree with one another, to work together, to don't be selfish, but to be humble, um, to think of others first, to have the same attitude as Christ Jesus. And it tells us all these things that really hard, quite honestly, to agree with each other, to work together. Um, it's... It seems impossible. The The idea of being like Jesus, though, the idea of, of us being like Jesus cannot fully be grasped. It just, it just can't be. Uh, the, the next verse, after the verses that I, that I spoke of, um, Philippians chapter 2, verse 6, even Jesus, though he was God, did not think of equality with God as something something to cling to. It isn't something that we can totally understand. We just need to take one step at a time towards being like Jesus. One step at a time. And we have the steps all here in God's Word. Here's our steps. You know, I, rebuilding the, the, the fence that I'm working on, so my cows didn't get out. When I stand at one end and I, I look at the whole quarter mile of it going this way and then another quarter mile going this way, I think, man, <coughs> I'll never get it done. It seems impossible. It's, it's overwhelming when I think of the whole thing all at once. <coughs> It's like it's like being like Jesus, being like God holy as he calls us to be. It's overwhelming. All this to be in God's image. It's overwhelming. Matthew chapter 5 verse 48 Jesus tells us, "But you are to be perfect." Even as your Father in heaven is perfect. That's overwhelming. And it's a bummer because we don't bear a 
perfect image of God. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, all of us. What the Lord wants us to do here, what He's written to us about, what He's put His Son on the planet when He did for that short amount of time, what He's wanting us to do is to same thing that I'll, I'll do with my fence. I'll saw out a branch at a time. I'll drive one post at a time. Before you know it, you start seeing the progress. So we start following the words that are in God's book of life. We start by intentionally loving one person, by forgiving one person, and then the next. We start using our words for building people up. <coughs> you know, the, the tongue is a wild and a powerful force. James chapter 3 verse 9 says, Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father. Sometimes it curses those who have made, been made in the image of God. Think about that. When you use your tongue for evil, you're cursing those who bear the image of God. And so we start, or we continue, by sawing out the sin, one sin and then another. I have to get a cream. You start to take on the image of God. We it, Often it's not nearly as noticeable to you as it is to others when you start this process. Sawing out one sin and then another and then another. You start to take on the image of God after a while. Usually others notice it first that image that he made you in. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, says Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. Christ, Jesus, the visible image. He is the visible image. So, so we set Jesus before us and he is the model that we can see of God. Do we see God? We, we look at Jesus. And, and though uh, a lot of us may not have, well, okay, none of us have actually set our eyes physically on the person of Jesus other than when we look at each other because we are the body of Christ. <coughs> we have eyewitness and scripture about Jesus and those who have laid their eyes on Jesus. And we can see him through this word, the visible image uh, before us when we are um, sculpting ourselves into the image that God originally made us for. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3, the Son, Jesus, radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God and he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. We are called to live 
new life under Jesus, our Savior. The glory, he radiates the glory, this scripture says. The glory uh, of being in the image of Jesus. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 says, My old self was crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Old self, when we accept Jesus, crucified with Christ, it's no longer in our own image that we live in when we accept Jesus as our Savior. It is Christ who lives in us in God's image. Christ Jesus is what makes us possible to live in God's image. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 is even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy without fault in his eyes. Whose eyes does it matter? In whose mind do we want to be perfect in? Do we want to be uh, looking good in? The eyes of the community, the eyes of the public, the eyes of the world, or the eyes of our Father God? We can look holy and be holy without fault in God's eyes. Because He loves us and chose us to be saved Through Jesus, because of him, we can be image bearers of God Almighty. Are you bearing the image of God? If you are, then others will see God's glory. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of of the Lord. And the Lord, who is spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. If you choose not to bear the image of God, meaning you do not accept Him as your Savior, meaning you have rejected Him as your Savior, well, then your humanly glory, if you could even call that glory, won't last long and it will will not get you anywhere good. Are you ready for an extreme makeover? Don't do it the world's way. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, Romans chapter 12 verse 2 would say. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. God's will for you. To bear His image. And He makes that possible through His Son, Jesus. The Lord calls us, calls us His sheep. And He calls us by name. He specifically loves you and he has made a purpose for you that can only be fulfilled 
by bearing His image. Are you bearing God's image? Let's pray. Lord, we thank You so much for the the love that You give us, for the care, for for the chance to be perfect and holy, Lord, though it seems impossible to us. We thank you for your son who died for us. We thank you that we get to bear your image, God. You being all-powerful, almighty, and the old creator of everything, Lord. You. And we get to be made in your image and we get to live in your image even though we don't deserve to live that awesome of a life you forgive us and you love us and you call us by name that we are your own children Lord I ask that you would give us the strength and the courage the confidence to be image bearers of you Lord now I ask you to help us to go and be in your image. Amen.